If you have your Bibles, please turn with me for a little while to 1 John. Uh, back over before you get to the book of Revelation is 1 John. And let's begin reading some scripture here on the subject, no longer a slave to fear, for I am a child of God. I want you to say it with me again. I like that song. I'm going to bring it sometime and play it just for me. Hallelujah. Praise God. No longer a slave to fear, for I am a child of God. Hallelujah. Fear hath torment, and we're going to read about that in just a moment here. The Bible said one of the signs of the last days in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, when the disciples asked him, when shall all of these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming? And he talked about all the things that would be happening upon the earth in Matthew's Gospel and other places. He talked about earthquakes in divers places he's talked about the sea and the waves roaring you know there's a scripture that says something about the earth itself because of the sin and the hurt and the pain and the death and the anguish that is happening on this planet that the 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 earth groaneth for the manifestation of the sons of god some prophecy teachers believe that the volcanic activity like we have in Hawaii right now, this volcano that's been slumbering so very long is suddenly active and they don't have any idea when the lava flow is going to stop. It's, it's widening and it's coming forth. Uh, there is a report right now that, that the, the, the geyser, old faithful, that is in Yellowstone Park that everybody takes the pictures of, that there is volcanic activity underneath that area. And they're concerned that if it should erupt, what kind of chaos that it would bring if it did. Uh, the earth groaneth, plates of the earth shift underneath the, the ground, deep, deep plates and when they begin to shift, it causes earthquakes. And there are earthquakes in various places. And there always has been. But there's a frequency given to them now that wasn't present before. Another sign is fear itself. It said that, that there would be distress of nations with perplexity. That means the nations of the world, uh, with all of their efforts and the greatest thinkers and the greatest diplomats, uh, they can't figure out what to do about the complex problems that face the nations of the world. There shall be distress of nations with perplexity. Literally, the Greek word is puzzlement. They can't figure it out. The most intelligent, educated generation that there's ever been, and they can't figure it out and the bible said this the there would be earthquakes in divers places the sea and the waves roaring the result of earthquakes is a tidal wave and the sea and the waves roaring we're getting into a a storms that are not just storms they're super storms they're storms like we haven't had much of a history of storms like we're having now but there's another part of the sea and waves roaring because the Bible speaks of humanity as the sea. Out of the sea of humanity, there will come a man, the Antichrist, one day out of the sea. The sea and waves roaring. Listen to what the Bible said about the wicked. 
The Bible said the wicked are like the, the stormy sea whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith God, unto the wicked. It's no wonder that the drug abuse is where it is, that the opiate problem is where it is, that, that the, the alcohol problem is where it is, because people are seeking a synthetic chemical peace. And the reason they're looking for that is because they can't find it in the riches. Rolling Stone magazine and the fame and the fortune. Rolling Stone magazine years ago, 10 years ago, when there was the Brangelina thing, but Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, the perfect Hollywood couple, uh, you know, they meet up and they marry, and, and they have these, both of them have this great acting career. Uh, Brad Pitt, you know, looked almost as good as me, and he had everything to be grateful for. You don't have to laugh that hard. Amen. <laughs> they had it all in Rolling Stone magazine interviewer asked him Brad what's it feel like to have it all he said have it all I don't even know what it is but I hope I find it someday isn't that an incredible thing for someone that everyone thinks if I look like they look if I had what they had if I could be who they are I would have it all and here's somebody with it all who says, I don't know what it is, but he knew what it wasn't. It wasn't this perfect marriage that looked perfect, which was not perfect. It wasn't this perfect, perfect body. It wasn't this perfect career, the millions of dollars. Amen. You know what Jesus said? He said, the peace that I'm going to give you is not like the world gives. It's nothing that the world can promise or produce. Amen. In this world, this fallen world, you shall have, even as a Christian, tribulation. Thelpsis is the Greek word. I, I know the anguish of losing a child. My child is not supposed to, I'm not supposed to be at my child's funeral. My child is supposed to come to my funeral. It's turned around, but this is a fallen world. And we live in faulty bodies. And if you don't believe that, wait a few years. Brother Taylor, this is a faulty body. Uh, he used to do, you know, do backflips to the pulpit before preaching. But, uh, but he doesn't do that anymore. I'm just exaggerating. Amen. But he's the same man on the inside. But the man on the outside, this is a faulty body. John Quincy Adams was 85 years old and someone asked him. They said, John Quincy, how is it with John Quincy Adams today? He said, John Quincy Adams is fine. Thank you. He said the house he lives in has weathered many, many storms. It is becoming quite dilapidated. I shall have to be moving out soon. But John Quincy Adams is quite well. Thank you. Because of his faith in God and his personal faith in Jesus Christ, he knew that this body will someday fail. But there's something waiting for every one of us. And we can live with that assurance. We can live with that peace and no longer be a slave to fear. Because you and I that have received Christ as our Savior, amen, we are children of the Most High God. And God has become our Heavenly Father, not the force in the universe. Hallelujah. Let me just read from 1 John. I love this. This is, this is a love 
a love part of the Bible right here. Let's begin reading with chapter chapter 5 and verse 4. Look at it together with me. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Now this whole world is under this fear that there's no escaping from. There's no one that can escape the atmosphere of fear, and it's going to be exacerbated and enhanced in the last days. Jesus said not only will there be earthquakes, there will be tidal waves, there's going to be problems within all the nations of the world without any answers for those complex problems, and men's hearts will fail them for fear, for looking at the things which are coming upon the earth. This is not an unfounded fear or phobia. This is something based on fact and reality. We live in a dangerous world. I went to school in the 50s when I started my classes. Wow, what a difference. We, we didn't fear someone coming in and killing us at school. We didn't, we, we didn't, I hitchhiked everywhere I went. I hitchhiked from Mango, Sefner area, all the way to, almost to Dale Mabry to a drive-in movie with a friend of mine. And we watched the drive-in movie without a car. We went and sat near the snack bar where we could hear the sound and hitchhike home at 2 o'clock in the morning. That's crazy now. It's all crazy now. I mean, we, we didn't live with the fear. We, I lived uh, in the Sefter Mango area, and we, all we did was latch a screen door. Isn't that an incredible time to be living? You go to bed, sleep like a baby with a screen door with a little bitty latch just to keep the raccoons and the possums from coming in. Amen? And keep the skeeters out on top of that. Yeah. But you didn't worry about someone coming in and robbing you, killing you. Road rage. Oh, my goodness, now you don't know. You make a mistake. You're sorry you made the mistake. Some, some guy just shot a, a family. Did they kill the mother and, and, and wound the children? He just road rage. He's, he didn't wreck. He doesn't have a mark on his car. But he pulls out a pistol and shoots a family, a mom and her children sitting in their car, no threat to him at all, just out of uncontained rage and anger. What a day that we're living in, men's hearts failing them for fear. In some of our major cities, uh, the, the greatest fear, the greatest fear is there in certain neighborhoods of children, 10 years old, 8 years old, is that they will never live long enough to marry, have a family, and, and enjoy uh, their adulthood because they might get caught in a drive-by shooting. So many of their friends, 10, 11-year-old kids, have been killed by a stray bullet because of the gangs shooting at one another. Chicago, Philadelphia, just go down the line. 
It's an incredible time to be living. The Bible said in the last days, perilous times will come. For men shall be lovers of their own self. And they will be heady, high-minded. And there's a word used in the animal kingdom that is now applied to man. Fierce. Isn't that an incredible word to apply to what's supposed to be human beings that have, that, have, that have come to a place that we understand how to conduct ourselves without the, the wildness of the, of, of, of the African savanna where a lion is stalking someone? We've got people as vicious as a lion, as vicious as a tiger, that rob a Circle K and, and, and shoot to kill someone for the sheer thrill of killing them. This is an amazing day to be living. We were in Sulphur Springs for how many years? 25, 28 years. We had a security guard because people were afraid to come into our community. We had a security guard in the parking lot, hired security, paid security. We had a good crowd coming, and, but we didn't want to lose them because of the neighborhood. And the security guard quit called the security company and said, why did he quit? You know, he said he feared for his life. I said, why? (laughs) We all go, we've been going, I lived right behind the church for years, and then we moved to, anyway. He said, because I see a drug deal going down over here. I see a drug deal going down over there while we're in church. And he said, and if the police come and bust them, they're going to think that I called the police, and then they will want to get back at me and I'm afraid for my life and I thought Lord you've been so good to take care of us we had no incidents we had no issues only car that ever got bothered well they did try to take some you know we didn't have for a while it was a big deal to take Mercedes symbols off of Mercedes you know it's kind of a thing and then they put it on the chain and wear the Mercedes symbol around their neck but Sean never drove his Mercedes to church, and so he didn't have to worry about that. In fact, I didn't drive my Mercedes because we didn't have a Mercedes. But Gerald had some big old, one of them big long gas-guzzling Buicks or something, and it was old. Boy, it was old. And they stole Gerald's car, our song leader. But Gerald always ran on fumes. <laughs> I don't, I, he was afraid to fill the tank up, afraid that, you know, the rest of it was all rusted up in there. <laughs> it never had that much gas in it. And they got about two blocks from the church and run out of gas. And he got his car right back. God is good. And he did take care of us for all of those years. Praise God, he took care of us in that bad part of town. But, but fear, fear, fear. Fear would mark the last days, and peace and, and courage would mark the Christian community if we don't get caught up in that fear. Amen. We can. By the way, how many is ever worried about anything? Did you know something? Without, without fear, you can't worry. Fear is what produces worry. You say, but this is a legitimate concern. It's fear-driven. It's all fear-driven. And the Bible said don't worry about anything. How many, are, how many have come through the 60s? You've come up through the 60s. How many remember a magazine called Mad Magazine? 
I'm glad you're here today. All these young people can't relate to me, but you and I can relate. We remember Mad Magazine. And there was a gown that was the, the, the vanguard for it. He was on the, on the front of it. And his name was Alfred E. Newman. We got it right. Praise God. Alfred E. Newman. And he was a goofy-looking guy. And after you hear what he said, you would have to think he was goofy. Because for anybody to say this, he would have to be goofy. And this was before Saturday Night Live's parodies. This was a magazine like that that would parody everything. And his, his whole selling point was, what? Me worry? In other words, I don't worry about anything. I don't worry. And it wasn't because of some faith in God or Christian thing. It was just he was too crazy to worry about what he should worry about. One of the most challenging scriptures to me is in the New Testament when the scriptures teach this. Be anxious for nothing. I went through nervous exhaustion preaching the gospel, praying, studying the Bible, and yet allowing worry and allowing fear to come. I used to have anxiety attacks. I used to go to sleep, but because of the stress that was in my life, I couldn't, I, I, would, I would literally grind my teeth in my sleep. And ultimately, I ground them down where the enamel was gone. And a dentist told me, I've never seen teeth this worn at your age. And he said, he said, he said, what do you do? You're grinding your teeth. And, and I thought, well, you know, I, I don't know. But then I would catch my tongue in between my teeth while grinding. And the pain would wake me out of a deep sleep with a mouthful of blood. I'd run to the bathroom and I would spit the blood and run cold water on my tongue and then wrap it with a wash rag that hadn't been used until it began to coagulate and quit bleeding. And I thought, this is not the way I'm supposed to be living as a person and particularly as a pastor and a Christian. There's got to be an answer to this. I have entertained something. See, I, I misinterpreted the Scripture. And the devil will use Scripture misinterpreted. The Apostle Paul, I said, I'm like Paul. This concern over this, this, this anxiousness over this. I'm just a good shepherd caring for my flock and caring what happens. Worrying about my son. Uh, not giving things to God like I should. And allowing fear to begin to slowly but surely come in and undermine my peace. And I, I, re, I remember when, when I felt so ashamed of the condition that I was getting in. So on top of my problem, I didn't think that God was very proud of me. And the amazing thing was nobody knew it but me and God and my family. Because when the anointing came, did you know I got sick at my stomach? Not sick throwing up. I got. I, I don't know what I got, but what I got knocked me off my feet. And that hasn't happened to me in so many years. When I pray for you today, I'm going to pray with great compassion. 
I think sometimes God allows me to experience something so that I don't get above it. <laughs> Amen. And, and I don't misunderstand what it's like to feel like you can't stand up another minute. You have to sit down and then you have to lay down. And uh, you told my wife, uh, well, you would never know it. Because when I get home, I collapsed. Well, I, I wasn't that bad when I got up. But when I got here, you know what happened? The anointing of God came to minister the gospel. David said of the anointing, me and Brother Hobbs talked about it this morning. Through thee, O Lord, I have run through a troop and jumped over a wall. That's supernatural. Can you say amen? But how many knows that when God uses you supernaturally, he never makes you supernatural? He never makes you supernatural. And that's why preachers can fail if they don't stay in a humble position and they keep their focus on the grace and mercy of God and not just the anointing and power of God in their life. Amen. There are no spiritual supermen. There are no spiritual superwomen. We don't need to be because we are kept by His power. Can you say amen? It's His grace that is sufficient. It's His mercy that has saved us. It's His promise to never leave us that gives us the courage that we need to keep on keeping on and to keep on standing. And the Apostle Paul said it as clear as anyone could ever say it. I am what I am. And he was a wonderful man of God. Wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. If you just count the books, half of it was written by this man. He saw heaven personally, amen, and came back to the earth to tell about it and didn't say much about it. He said, I can't say and I can't explain all of this. John did in the book of Revelation. Listen to me carefully. But he said, whatever I am, people were healed. They were set free by him, amen, in his ministries. But he said, I am what I am for one singular reason, by the grace of God. And when they looked at him any other way, in Greece he preached and miracles attended and confirmed the word of God. And, and they said, the gods have come down to us in the form of men. And he opened his garment and showed them his bare flesh and said, do not say that. You don't know what you worship. We know what we worship. We know who we worship. And God is the one that is doing this work and God is the one that should get all of the glory for it can you say man hallelujah when the lame man was healed and he leapt and walked because Peter and John came into the into the temple and he was begging and Peter said silver and gold have I none but such as I have give I thee took him by the hand and lifting him up he was instantly, gloriously healed. He went into the temple leaping and running and praising God. Oh, there's some churches, if someone got healed and started leaping and running, they would get halfway down the aisle and the deacons would tackle them and throw them out. Amen. But I'm in a church, if you decide to leap and run because you get a miracle, uh, you better be fast because I'm going to be right behind you. Can you say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. We'll, ha we'll have a Jesus run in this place. We will celebrate, hallelujah, his name and spread his fame. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Fear, fear, fear hath torment. 
but perfect love casts out all fear. Now, we're Pentecostals, and there's a scripture I want to explain to you before we read this and quit today. God did not give us the spirit of fear. That phrase, spirit of fear, is not a demon from the netherworld. It's not a demon. If you have fear, you're part of the human race. When Jesus says fear not, he means we need to be able to learn how to manage fear. It's impossible to live in a fallen world without having any fear. Listen, if I get a call, my wife goes to get groceries at Publix and she's not back uh, in two hours. And I get a call from South Florida Baptist Hospital that says your wife has been in an accident or a sheriff or highway patrol comes up to my door and says, Mr. Venable, your wife has been in a tragic accident. She's in ICU. We don't know her condition. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen right at that moment. Fear is going to grip me. Amen. There's no place in God and no place in hyper faith. There's no place you can climb high enough spiritually that that is not going to happen. Whether it's a child, a loved one, a friend, it will happen. That's why David said, what time I'm afraid. Because he knew you can't live fearless, but you can live without being fearful. Amen. So he said, what time I'm afraid. I know what to do. When fear comes, I know what to do. What time I'm afraid, I will trust in you. The scripture says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and are safe. Praise God. Amen. This is, this is exactly why we need to know God better. Because he revealed them to himself to ancient Israel through his names. What they saw in his character, in his dealings with them, they gave him that name. Jehovah Sikinu, the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Can you say, man, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord my physician, the Lord my healer. Hallelujah. Jehovah Shammah, it goes on and on and on. And in the New Testament, all of that God is and all that God was and all that God always will be, amen, was personified in the Lord Jesus Christ because in Him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He was Emmanuel, God with us. He was incarnate in flesh. Praise God. Amen. And if you want to know what God is like, take a good look at Jesus. Because he talked about the Father. He talked to the Father so much that the disciples said, show us the Father. And it will suffice us. We'll be satisfied if we can just see what you see. Know him like you know him. And Jesus answered his disciples, said, have you been with me all this time? And you still don't recognize the Father? Huh? If you've seen me, if you really know me, you've seen the Father. Because the words I speak, they're not my words, but what I hear my Father say. And the works that I do are not my works, 
but what I see my Father do. What He wills is what I'm doing. So everything I'm saying and everything I'm doing is an expression of the Father's person, His personality, His character, His will, and His purpose. Not mine, not my will, but Thy will be done. Can you say amen? Even going to the cross, the Bible said it pleased the Father to bruise Him. It's not because the Father didn't love Him, it broke God's heart to hear His cry from the cross. But He sent Him to die for us. And Jesus bowed to His Father's will in order to stay on the cross. Never see Jesus as a victim of Caesar or Rome or Pilate. He was not a victim. When Peter tried to defend Him with a sword and cut off a man's ear aiming for his head, Jesus picked up the ear, put it back on the man's head, and without any plastic surgery, it immediately miraculously reattached and the bleeding stopped. And they still arrested him. They hated him so much. If I'd have saw that, I might have resigned from the police force. Can you say amen and followed him? Amen. And they still arrested him and wanted him on a cross. He said, Peter, put up your sword. If my kingdom were of this world, I would call the armies of heaven. All of those angels. You know, in the Old Testament, Jesus' appearances and those, those things attributed to him because he pre-existed Christmas Day in the manger. He pre-existed all of that. He came to earth and took on flesh, but he existed with the Father from eternity. That's an incredible thing. Amen. And in that, in, that, in that preexistent, he is called the commander and chief of heaven's armies. The Lord of hosts. Everybody say the Lord of hosts. That means the commander in chief of heaven's armies. He said, I could call. I'm the commander in chief. All I have to do is call them. I don't need any man to set me free, any man to defend me. If I didn't want to go to the cross, no one could take me to it. If I didn't want to stay on it, nobody could keep me on it. But as a lamb, dumb before his shearers, the Bible said he didn't open his mouth. And it's a good thing he didn't. Because if angels came and delivered him from the cross, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. But thank God He came to go to the cross. He went to the cross. He stayed on the cross. He died, bled and died on that cross. And He rose from the dead. And they'll never put Him on a cross again. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. He died once and for all. Hallelujah. Praise God for the love of the Father that sent His Son and the love of the Son that caused Him to go to the cross and the love of the Holy Spirit that caused Him to come and say, I'll never leave you. I'll always abide with you. Can you say, man? The Bible is a love story from cover to cover. But I used to think there was two, two gods in a sense. There was God the Father who was the disciplinarian. If you look in the old family Bible, God is driving Adam out of the garden in his justifiable anger and jesus is the sweet forgiving person so if i have to choose between god the father this very disciplined you know what i'm talking about the imagery that you get 
which is wrong because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. His words, his works, and what a precious Father we have. Amen. He does judge sin. He must judge sin. He can't be holy and let it slide. But in his love for us, he makes a way for us to be forgiven. Isn't that incredible? In his holiness, he's obligated to judge sin. He can't sweep it under the rug. So he judges our sin in his own son, his sinless son, so that we could be forgiven our sin and have a perfect relationship with him. You say, Brother Venable, I don't see how he could accept me like he, well, it's through the blood. No wonder you can't see how I can't see how either. You're not that good. You're not that great. You're not that perfect. There's none righteous without the blood of Jesus. And it's reiterated in the scripture. No, not one. Because some people think they know somebody that doesn't need forgiveness. That doesn't need the sacrifice of Christ. That is so perfect. No, not one. In fact, the Bible said our attempt at righteousness, at sinless perfection, compared to God's demand, is as a filthy rag. Isn't that incredible? I would use the, the analogy of a, a greasy rag after wiping your hands from working on your car, but it's even worse than that in Scripture, and it's worse than, worse than that in reality. God says, I can't accept you on your terms. And accept your righteousness, exceed that of the scribe and Pharisee, the most religious people of the day. You shall in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. So you have to become as a little child. You have to admit, I'm wrong, and you're right, Lord. I've sinned, and I'm coming to you for forgiveness. And if we humble ourselves like that, God resists the proud, but what's he do? Give grace to the humble. Praise God. I found out, and I'm so glad I did, there's not two different persons this Discipline God, disciplinary God, and this meek, lowly, sweet, compassionate Savior, Jesus Christ. I and my Father, he said, are one. That's why if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So don't try to define the Father by, by the old covenant Come into the new covenant. Define the Father by the one who came to show us the Father. And that's Jesus. And that's Jesus. And if the Father and Jesus are one and the same, we have got a wonderful, gracious, compassionate, loving. Yes, he's the judge of, by the way, Jesus is going to be the final judge when he returns. And John saw him, his hair was as wool. His eyes were as fire. His feet as burnished brass. Amen. And the Bible said that the, the fear that gripped them was because of the wrath of the Lamb. Because the Lamb of God never quit being God. He just offered Himself as a sacrifice for us. And when He returns, He's not coming back to save the world and offer Himself again. That's done. He's coming back to judge the world. And the greatest sin will not be 
the sins that, that we have committed. It'll be the sin of rejecting the offer of salvation. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Escape what? The judgment to come. How can we escape it if we neglect? After hearing the gospel, there's responsibility and there's accountability. I run to God, not from God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Why? Because we don't have a high priest sitting aloof in his heaven waiting to whack us like a whack-a-mole game. Seeing that he was tempted in all points as we are, we don't have a high priest passed into the heavens that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly. That's with courage and confidence before the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and grace to help in the time of any need. Everybody say mercy and grace first. Mercy and grace first. Not healing, not help first, but mercy and grace Hallelujah. It opens the door for every promise to be fulfilled. It qualifies you to receive. Look at somebody and says, we can get it now. Hallelujah. Amen. It qualifies you to receive. And the Bible said, when you stand praying, believe that you receive. And the only way you can believe that you qualify to receive is if you understand the grace and mercy that is yours in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And which is first, mercy or grace? I'm glad you asked. Mercy. That you might receive mercy and grace to help. Lord, have mercy on me. Blind Bartimaeus said. He needed healing. He needed his blind eyes open. But he knew I don't qualify for God to do this thing for me. I'm not that great. I'm not that good. He says, Son of David, have mercy on me. And he said it loud because he was blind. He he heard the crowd getting closer. He knew Jesus was coming. Somebody said, he must have asked someone, what's all of this uproar? They said, Jesus is passing by. And he had heard about Jesus' mercy and grace and compassion and miracles. And he cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And, and he got louder and louder until the disciples chided him and tried to shut him up and shut him down. And he hollered all the louder. And Jesus stopped dead in his tracks and said, bring that man to me. People were all over him. But someone appealed to the love in his heart, the compassion in his heart. Someone recognized his mercy first and he cried out for that mercy. And guess what happened? Right on the heels of mercy flows grace. Grace is unmerited favor. Undeserved favor. But when you get mercy, grace begins to flow right in behind it. Mercy and what? Grace to help in the time of any need. Hallelujah. And, and Jesus said, what do you want me to do? Now you've got a blank check. 
Everybody say a blank check. If I wrote you a blank check, you could write everything out of my account. Big, hairy deal. Can you say, man, you're not going to get far on everything out of my account. I have to watch my account to make sure they don't, you know, there's a finance charge or there's some kind of charge for using the account. And, you know, when you get down so low, you've got to make sure there's at least enough in to cover the charge on, you know. <laughs> yeah, you've got to keep at least $10 to cover the eight and leave two bucks in there. Keep the account open. Well, I've always lived my life, and I don't know how you've lived yours. I make enough. God provides just exactly what we need. But it's like gravy through a goose. You know, if a goose eats gravy, it don't, it don't have to digest before it, you know. You get paid. I know, Elaine. I know. I know. You didn't bring anyone today. This is a good day for this to occur. Amen. <laughs> no one's going to be embarrassed but you, and you wore some red, so it, you'll blend today. <laughs> Hallelujah. But God has been faithful, and God has been good. And there's an enemy of my soul and yours that will try to disqualify you. He's called the accuser of the brethren. He never lets up trying to disqualify us from God's help, from hope in Him, from God's love. And Paul said he can do his worst and circumstances can seem the worst, but there is nothing. There's nothing present. There's nothing coming. There's no angel in heaven and no demon in hell. I'm paraphrasing. There's nothing present, nothing coming, nothing, no one and no thing, circumstantial or in the spirit realm, nowhere that will ever separate me from the love of God that's in Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? I don't ask why is this happening to me when things go wrong because I know my Father loves me and I know know that everything is going to work together for good because I love Him. Can you say amen? Hallelujah! It's reciprocal love. We love Him because He commanded it and you better do it or whack-a-mole is going to occur and you're going to be the mole and there's only one hole. So when you stick up, He's got you. No. We love Him even though He commanded it. And deserves it. Thou shalt love the Lord. He stimulates it. Through his love for us. So that we can love him. Not just because he commands it. But because we really are reciprocating love to him. Stimulated by his love to us. Hallelujah. Bible said we didn't choose him. We chose to respond to him when he called us. But we didn't choose him. He chose us and God commends his love to us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us God loves you today he can't save you without you receiving Jesus but he loves you enough to send his son so that you can be saved he doesn't want you lost it's not his will that any anybody perish but that everyone have eternal life. Hallelujah. Isn't that a wonderful heavenly Father that we serve? Now, Pentecostals, let's stop with this. Paul wrote Timothy. Timothy was so 
anxious, upset. He said, God did not give us the spirit of fear. He didn't need a demon cast out of him. Don't get me wrong. I believe there are demons that, that operate in this realm of fear that can bind and blind people. But he's not talking about demon possession. He's not talking about needing deliverance. He's talking about his own spiritual atmosphere and attitude. God didn't give your spirit fear. And your spirit is now being filled with fear. Timidity. You're like a turtle or a gopher pulling his head in his shell because you've had some problems and some issues and some rejection and some threatenings. God didn't give you that. But God gave you the spirit of, number one, love. Everybody say love. It doesn't start out with power, Pentecostal. It starts out with love. God gave you the spirit of love. And there's no fear. The scripture says here in 1 John, you can read it for homework. There's no fear in love. Perfect love. Cast out all fear. You don't need deliverance from something that love has kicked out. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Fear had torment. Tell me about it. I was tormented. My, the anxiety attacks would come when the sun would go down. It's like it set in. Anything dark, I slept with all the lights on in a separate room so I wouldn't bother my family. My breath would cut off at night and I slept on three pillows. Upright to help me to breathe at night. One night I took a freedom phone before I... My son moved in with us, my youngest that we care for, and I went out into the garage, and I got down on my hands and knees with my breath cutting off, and I thought, I don't want to keep upsetting my family, and I'll call, I'll call 911 if I feel like I'm passing out, and they'll come, and then they'll find me here and take me to the hospital. Fear, fear. This wasn't supposed to be happening to me, but it happened to me. Because in my physical body, in my mind, I, there's limits that you can cross. I did it to myself. The devil didn't do it to me. didn't have to. I did it to myself. I got up in the morning. I drank coffee and took off. Oh, I did lose weight. I was looking good. I went from 220 pounds to 153 pounds. Drinking chicken bouillon instead of a meal. You can't preach on that and run on that and go to the hospitals on that and do mission work on that and have a jail ministry on that and go to the hospital and visit on that. You can't do that. But boy, you can look good in that suit. Amen? Until it catches up with you. It caught up with me on the way back from a mission trip to Haiti. I told the stewardess, if you see me and I look like I'm asleep when we get to Tampa, please get me some help because I'm not well. And when I got home, that's when it really hit me. My wife came in the bathroom where I was, and I felt like I was passing out. And, and i got to tell you this. It's a long service. But the enemy of my soul gave me a scripture. It's amazing how clear 
you can hear the devil speak. And I thought, since it's Scripture, I'll listen to this voice. And he said, why don't you just say, because I, was, I felt like I was passing out and choking and couldn't breathe. It was so uncomfortable. I was laying in the floor of the bathroom in the fetal position. And I felt as helpless as I've ever felt in my life, but I wasn't hopeless. And I heard as clear as anything, why don't you just go home? Are you afraid to go home, to go be with the Lord? Why don't you just say, into thine hands commend I my spirit, just what Jesus said on the cross. And that it will all be behind you. And the Lord spoke to me immediately and said, it's not time for you to come home. Don't say that. Don't say that. I am with you. And I buttoned up, curled up. My wife said, you want me to get an ambulance or whatever? Do you need help? And I said, just let me alone. And I, I don't know how many hours me and God was right there in the floor of that bathroom. I know something about fear having torment. The Greek word is penal imprisonment. It not only puts you in a prison, but it punishes you in that prison. And I thank God for his peace. And I thank God that for his love because in that valley, I discovered the kind of love he loved me with. When I couldn't help myself, he helped me. When I couldn't have faith to believe him, he didn't abandon me. When my faith was shaking, his love did not. God did not give us the spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. And when, when the Lord began to restore my soul, I appreciate, I treasure, I, I, I don't just let the enemy seed stuff into me anymore. Amen. My mind, sound mind, say it with me. We've got to close and you'll help me if you're amen real big. Sound mind, sound mind. It's not the sound mind, same as sound doctrine, pure and unadulterated. No, it means disciplined. A mind that is not receptive to everything and every thought that comes into it. But a mind that is disciplined. A mind that is directed. Can you say, man, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are praiseworthy. Oh, you can't get that off the television, the newspaper, the periodical, the computers, CNN, MSNBC can't give you that stuff. But the Word of God can. And the Word of God does. Can you say man? If there's anything of good report, is there anything that makes you want to praise God? Praiseworthy. Think on these things. Hallelujah. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. God loves you today. Don't ask me why. God loves me today. Don't ask me why. I don't know why. Andre Crouch used to sing, Jesus loved me. Oh, but I'm glad, so glad that he did. How about you? Are you so glad that he did and that he does? Will you stand for this reading? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. First John's Gospel, it says, He that feareth is not perfected in love. It doesn't mean that you don't have perfect love for God and that's why you're afraid you don't know how to stand with him you're you don't know what to expect from him and you're vulnerable to your enemy that's not what it means it means you have not come to the place that the question of his love for you is settled in your heart the Bible speaks of being rooted and grounded in love that you might grow up into him who is the head And that you might comprehend. It's comprehension for apprehension. That you might comprehend with all saints what is the length, the breadth, the depth, and the height. The dimensions of God's divine, infinite love for you. Amen. That you apprehend what that really means in your life. How great it is. How gracious it is. How infinite it is. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. See, I had the Holy Ghost. I spoke in tongues. I had gifts of the Spirit and an anointing to preach. But I didn't have the revelation and the realization of just how much God loved me. And it left an open door for fear to come in. But when you get perfected in love, the door is not open. For fear to come in. But even if it gets in, you can still run to God and kick it out. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. Someone said in closing, fear knocked on the door. I sent faith to the door. And faith said, there's nobody there. And our faith worketh by love. Can you say, man? Did you get anything out of this teaching on Father's Day? Don't you love the Heavenly Father? Aren't you glad He's your Heavenly Father and my Heavenly Father today?